Today's going to be a, a, a lot different than normal. This is our annual uh, vision service where we kind of try to look into the future as to where we believe the Lord would have us go. And I want to share that with you guys as, as a challenge for all of us um, because I think it's very important that at the start of a new year we present this. A lot of times, um, you know, the first of the year we're, we're, we're kind of taking inventory in our own lives and and just kind of doing an introspect as to where we are. And a lot of times that's when we begin to implement some changes that, that need to be made. And I think that's healthy in a church. Sometimes we need to look at these things. And so today is not going to be a service as normal. Um, uh, I, I don't want to call it a pep rally. Um, but I hope that we do get motivated by the Spirit of God to move forward. Uh, because I do believe that the Lord has some, some good things in store for this church family, and I think those days are still ahead of us. So, uh, with that said, today we're looking at a vision for the future. And this is a question I want all of us to think about. What unique role has God, God called this local church to play in helping to fulfill the Great Commission? End of the day, guys, we have all been given a commission. We've got to reach this world with the gospel. How does this local church have a part in that? What does that look like for us? What do we need to do? So that's what I want to talk to us about today. Uh, let's, let's turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to lead us in this service, if we would. Father, thank You. Thank You that You've given us Your Word And it truly is a light, and it truly is a lamp. Lord, it's a light to our path, it's a lamp to our feet. And and so, Father, help us as we seek to move forward as a church family to always walk in accordance to Your will and Your plan. Lord, I pray this morning that You be with me and empower me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that our hearts would be open to receive the challenge that You have for this church family. Help us to see the importance of being unified under you, as we move forward for the cause of Christ. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Seeing things eye to eye. One of the things, church, that's vital to the growth of this church, unity. John P. Cotter, in his book, Leading Change, states the following. A great vision can serve a useful purpose even if it's understood by just a few key people. But the real power of a vision is unleashed only when most of those involved in an enterprise or activity have a common understanding of its goals and direction. Let me give you that in New Testament terms. The early church, if you study the book of Acts, you're going to find this phrase throughout it. And they had all things in common. They were like-minded. They were of one accord. And no, Brother Carver, it wasn't a car. I knew you were going to try and jump in there. They were like-minded. They were joined in unity. They were on the same page. Church, if we are ever going to do great things for God, that is a key ingredient. We must remain on the same page. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we always agree 100% on things. Look, there's going to be some people that like wheat bread and some people that like white bread. And there's going to be some people who want to peel the ends off their bread. 
hey, I'm glad you like bread. I think we can get along because we got bread in common. And you know what? We got the bread of life in common, church. Christ. Amen? He unifies us. That's why we're bound together. We sometimes have to set aside preferences and get a view of the big picture. Having a vision. Helen Keller said this, Worse than being blind would be to be able to see, but have, but not have any vision. Let me say that again. Worse than being blind would be to be able to see, but not have any vision. The Word of God puts it this way, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You've heard the old saying, if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every time. Right? Guys, we've got to look forward. We've got to look at where as a church family God wants to move us to. What are we shooting for? I mean, do we just, is this what you're aiming for this morning? Just to come to church on Sunday to check a box that you've done your duty? Is that why you come to church? Do you come to church just to get an emotional hype? Get your, your, your dose for the week and you go home and that's it? No. Guys, we are, the church is not this building. It's not this facility. You and I are the church. We are a living organism. The local church is made up of believers and it's alive and should be alive and thriving. Alive and growing. And so I want to encourage us this morning that we need to grow. And we need to do so by having a vision. Where do we want to go? Where does God want us to go? Follow the leader. You remember the game? Follow the leader. Some of us do a little better job of that than others. You remember the game, though. But this is no game. John Maxwell said this. John Maxwell observes that vision leads the leader. Vision leads the leader. Guys, let me stop right there because you need to be praying that the leadership of this church, that your pastor receives God's vision. What God desires to move us to. Where does He want us to go? What is our unique role as a local church? That we will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Because if the Holy Spirit's leading and you and I are faithful followers, then that's success. We long to hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. So we want to be faithful followers. John Maxwell observes that vision leads the leader. It sparks and fuels the fire within and draws him forward. It is also the firelighter for others who follow that leader. Paul said, follow me. As I follow Christ, Christ, his, his call to his disciples, follow me. Now, I'm going to take a pause here, church, because, look, I, by God's grace, will always seek to be a good example to this flock. By God's grace, I want to follow the Lord's leading in my life. But if you have your eyes on me, you will be greatly disappointed. And some of you are shaking your head, yes, because I probably already let many of you down. Don't look at me. I'm going to try to be that example, but I'm a man who falls very short. But the Christ I represent will never let you down. And I will try to be that example. And I want to hear His small, still voice in leading me that I might lead you. 
Vision and faith go hand in hand. Romans 4, 18 through 21. We're going to look at that in a second. But I want, to re- I want you to hear this. Vision spawns faith. Vision spawns faith. And faith, in turn, enlarges vision. We've got to have a vision. It starts with a vision. And sometimes when we have that vision set before us, our faith is encouraged as we move forward. Faith, biblically defined, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, let's look at an example. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 4. Romans 4. And let's look at these passages. 18 through 21. And I'm actually I'm going to I'm going to back it up to 16 to give us a little more context. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised He was able to perform. Guys, you know the story of Abraham and Sarah? Over a hundred years old, you're going to have a child. (laughs) Sarah laughs. Yeah, right. Abraham believed this. He had faith. I mean, this doesn't make any logical sense. But he knew who his faith was in. It was in Almighty God. And church, the lesson here and the lesson I want to convey this morning is when God gives you a promise, He can't break it. And God has given the local church promises. He's given us as believers certain promises. He has spoken that word to us. It's revealed to us in the scriptures that you're holding. And we need to study those scriptures because when we find those promises, they're there to strengthen your faith. Think about Abraham. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much his faith was strengthened as a result of Sarah giving birth? You see, I know his faith was strengthened. Because a little bit later, he's going to take this child up onto a mountain and he is going to literally lift the knife, getting ready to sacrifice his son. And we find out in the New Testament, we find out in Hebrews, that he trusted God so much that he knew 
that if he ended up taking his own son's life, that God had the power to raise him from the dead. Why? Why did Abraham have such faith like that? Because faith begets faith. You and I know, we've seen God do some amazing things in our life. Have we not? I, mean, I think if we were, to, we were to go around the room and everybody used to, would tell a situation where God worked in your life, we have some of those moments, don't we? Now, we all need those reminders. I mean, you look at the disciples. How many things they saw, they eyewitnessed, they were there with Jesus. They experienced it firsthand. But then yet you find them still struggling down the line. And isn't that like us? Sometimes we waver in our faith. We allow doubt to creep in. And that's one of the reasons why I felt like this service this morning, I want it to be a reset button for this church. Sometimes you need to reset the button. And sometimes we need to reset our faith. We need to go back and visit some of the things that God's done in our life. We need to revisit how God has answered some of those prayers in our midst and at times when He's moved. And it's been very clear that God was moving because I think it, it helps us to be strengthened in our faith. Um, I think that's going off because it's really hot in here. I'm just saying. I don't know. Um, maybe get somebody to kick on a little bit of air or maybe I'll just turn on a fan here. huh? Um, but does, does that make sense? Oh, there we go. So, Abraham is a good example. And again, there are certain things God has told us. You know, one of the things he said in the New, that is in the New Testament is, God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Guys, we live in a day where sometimes it can, you can get discouraged. And wonder, is the church really making a difference? Yes. Yes, we are. And we need not lose hope or waver in that faith because God has given us certain promises. Know those promises. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. This is in Habakkuk. And uh, some of you may know the the story there in in the early portion of Habakkuk. And, And basically... God is, is telling the prophet, certain things are going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come in at some point. They've just come out of the, the Assyrian captivity. And at some point, these Babylonians are going to come in. There's certain things are going to happen. And God tells the prophet to write down certain things because it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. And you need to make it so plain, so simple, that anybody can get it. Guys, I'm going to try this morning to just make it real simple. I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf that hopefully anybody in here today gets it. All right? Because I think, again, it's important that we have vision. We have vision that's in line with the Word of God so that we can see clearly how to walk forward in the days ahead. Burden. Burden and belief. These two go hand in hand. What do I mean by that? Well, let's talk about it. David Shibley says, Ministry does not begin with vision. Ministry does not begin with vision. It begins with burden. Broken over conditions as they are, God then reveals His heart for what can be. Where do we find this in Scripture? Very familiar story. Turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah. Everybody look up Nehemiah. Again, you're probably pretty familiar 
with this with this passage of scripture. And look, if you would, in Nehemiah. Well, let's just look over in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, uh, it came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with me from Judah. And I asked them, Concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress. They're there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. And this... His people, are they're, they're in bad shape. They're in disarray. Things are, are messed up. So it was, verse 4, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. When's the last time you were broken to that point? I'll be at first to admit, it's, it's been a long time since I have been to a point like this. Oh, I've been there. It's been a long time. You know, the sad thing is, a lot of times it does take catastrophes such as this, disaster such as this, problems such as this, before we find ourselves at the point of brokenness before a holy God. Notice what he says, verse 5, And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant. Notice he's, he's praying back. Remember your word, Lord. Awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants. And confess the sins of the children of Israel. Confession is always a great place to start, folks. Which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the furthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Yes, these are promises to Israel, but you know what? The same God is our God. And we are His people, called by His name. 
Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Guys, this is a model prayer. If you ever want to study a model prayer, this is a model prayer. And you know the story goes on. He's the, he's the cupbearer for the king. In other words, if someone's going to try and poison the king, old Nehemiah was going to taste it first. He sampled the, the food and the drinks before the king would eat them. So he had to be a very trustworthy person, a very trustworthy individual. And he ends up asking the king because he's so burdened by his people, he wants to go and help them. He wants to go back there and help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And if you've never read this story, I encourage you to go back and look it up and read it. Uh, Maybe it's been a while, but it's a great example to us. As we look at the vision the Lord would have us as a church to do, I think it begins not with ministry, not with vision. It begins with burden. What's burdening you today? I mean, what stirs passion for you to react? What gets you going? Are you burdened by the lost souls in this community? that are dying and going to hell. There's a lot of folks in this community that this very day will step into eternity. Some of them are our neighbors. Some of them are our co-workers. Do we have a strong enough burden in our heart? Do we really genuinely care enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ? And what about us collectively as a church? What is our purpose? Is it just to come so that I've done my duty? I feel good about myself? We have a mission. We have a mission. We have a purpose as a group of believers gathered together. And we definitely need to be shaken and reminded to what that purpose is. Disturb us. Disturb us, O Lord. When our dreams have come true because we dream too little. When we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. Sir Francis Drake. You know, I think part of our problem is sometimes we don't dream big enough. We set small goals. Oh, we can't do that. We're too, we're too small of a church. We can't do that. We don't have the resources. We can't do that. We don't have the finances. We definitely can't do that. The just shall live by faith. Sometimes we need to stretch our faith. Sometimes we need to step out on faith. Yeah, I know. I know some of you are already thinking this. Yeah, but God gives you a brain too. He expects you to use it. You have a seatbelt in your car, don't you? That's why I have insurance. You know, you can run through all of those. But my God's bigger than all of those things. Amen? 
And so what we need to do is get to a place where we're so in tune with the Spirit of God and the leading of God that if He says march, no matter how crazy it may sound, I trust my God to lead us through the river, through the fire, through whatever may come because of who He is, because of His name. What's behind and what's ahead? Vision is spiritual insight into the purposes of God. It is a holy mix of foresight and insight based on hindsight. I like that. Look at that closely. Soak that in for a minute. Vision is spiritual insight into the purposes of God. Again, guys, we're not going to know what God wants for us if we don't know God's Word. We've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to know what His promises are so that we can stand on those promises. Right? But it's a holy mix of foresight and insight based on hindsight. I need to know where I've been to know where I'm going. William Carey is the one who said, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. You think William Carey did some great things for God? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, us of little faith. We're content... We're just sailing right close to the shore side, aren't we? I'm comfortable. Christianity, comfortable Christianity. We're good with that, right? But is really that what is that what we were designed for? Or have we bought the lie within the church? If I can just keep these guys content, I can keep them sort of humdrum, they'll never launch out into the deep. Ask Peter, you don't catch a whole lot of fish close to the shoreline. Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. Go out into the deep. Let's take a look out there. Church, let's take a look out in the deep. Where have we been? Now, I I have to admit, I confess this to my Wednesday night uh, group. By the way, if you're not here on Wednesday nights, you miss pastor's confessionals. I usually confess only to the Wednesday night group. So, anyway. I was telling the group Wednesday night that, uh, you know, I, I, I've been in a funk. And, and look, if you've been in that kind of funk, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just, just feel kind of blah, don't you, in your, in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you're still doing the disciplines that you know you need to do, but, but there's whole, not a lot of uh, devotion in it. More sometimes it might feel a little like duty, but you press on. Uh, am I the only weirdo that's ever experienced that? Anybody else experienced that before? Can I get a show of hands? Oh, good. I feel a little better now. I'm not the only one. But you know what happened was I, when I was prayerfully preparing this message, the Lord impressed upon my heart to do this. You've heard the old songs, Count Your Blessings. You know, Count Your Blessings When You're Feeling Blue. Uh, anyway, sort of count my blessings. Sort of looking at what God has done here in our midst. Um, uh, in just a short period of time. 
And, and so started writing these things down. I was even reminded this morning, Voice of Truth Radio. Anybody listen to Voice of Truth this morning? One person. Amen. Two people. Amen. All right. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, uh, if you don't know what time or what station, Mike Farley can help you out with that. 88.7. What time? Amen. Voice of Truth. All right. Check it out next week. You pay for it. <laughs> so... Anyways, even this morning, I was encouraged listening to that. God used this. was a message in August. And yet, even today, you know, it was talking about uh, my book of remembrance and how God has used that in my life at times when I'm needing some spiritual encouragement to see how God has answered prayers. So what I want us to do right now, wow, is that clock right? Did somebody fast forward that? Well, I better fast forward this message. Um, where have we been? Where have we been? And, and I know this church has done a lot over its lifespan, okay? But I, I'm only going to look at, because I've only been here three and a half years, so, so let's just take a quick look at just the past three and a half years to see it, what has gone on here. The past three and a half years, we've taken on two new missionaries and given other missionaries an increase. Guys, that is the furtherance of the gospel. This is a God-honoring thing. We've seen an increase in Sunday school attendance over the past three and a half years. We've seen an increase in overall attendance over the past three and a half years. We've launched a new evangelistic outreach, a church-wide outreach in this church. We've reached half of our Jerusalem with a gospel track and church literature. That, to me, that praise the Lord. These are reasons to rejoice. We've began new sports ministries that have added families. We've got folks here today as a result of sports ministries. Praise the Lord. We've recently relaunched a young adults ministry. If you're a young adult and you missed the original get-together, see Brian Glisson. Brian, quick, raise a hand there. Boom, pull it back down. Amen. See Brian. If you're between post-high school to 30-something, see Brian. All right? We've seen souls saved, church. We've seen souls saved, baptized, new members join the church, and discipleship began with many. We've added a conference that is growing in support each year, the Apologetics Conference. Every year we've seen a, a, a steady growth in this, in this conference. We've added a college-level course to our ministries, E412. You heard Brother Dean talk about that, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm actually going to try and be there tomorrow night. I canceled a meeting to be there, brother. So um, come check it out. Even if you're not taking it for credit, come check it out. That's a great ministry. We've launched Financial Peace University classes that's seen over $100,000 worth of debt eliminated thus far. Right here. Amen? That's awesome, guys. I mean, that's practical ministry. That's, and that's a short span of time. That's a lot of money eliminated. That's a lot of money eliminated as a result of this course. We've launched seniors ministry. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to brag on you seniors. All right? I've been in a lot of churches. And I'm going to show you the difference between our seniors in this church and the seniors in a lot of churches. Seniors in a lot of churches. <laughs> Seniors in our churches. 
Hey, praise the Lord. That's awesome, man. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Thankful for the seniors ministry. Amen. We've launched successful summer care groups. I mean, that, a lot of you have told me, we wish we could do these all year round. And I'm hearing you. We Somewhere down the line, this may be part of our makeup. But uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing fruit in that. We've added a part-time secretary. Three of them. <laughs> Boy, am I hard to work with. Anyway, that's been a blessing. Think about the facilities. Look at all the facilities. We've added a new playground. We've purchased 10.5 acres of property, which was an amazing God thing. We've seen, uh, we've acquired a covered trailer, covered by Calvary trailer. We've, we've put a roof on the church and the sanctuary uh, and also the uh, parsonage. Um, we've seen the bathrooms upgraded, right, ladies? <laughs> anyway, uh, we've added new gym floor. We, we've seen landscaping. We're seeking to add a new teen room. Amen, MB? And, and, and so we, we've acquired a soda machine. Woohoo! Thank you, Randall. <laughs> we got a pool table. Tell Zach, appreciate that. We got a scoreboard. If you haven't seen the scoreboard, you got to check it out. Uh, but you may want to be warned to bring some earplugs. Um, what else has happened? We've taken church wide missions trips to Jamaica. We're planning one this summer to Romania. I hope you will consider being a part of it. It's church wide. Pray about it. See if God would have you go and serve on a foreign mission field. Just begin to ask. That's all I'm saying. Begin to ask God and see what He does in your heart. We've launched a radio ministry, The Voice of Truth, that two of you listen to. Amen. (laughs) We've helped feed, we've helped feed, clothe, and spiritually minister to countless numbers throughout the community and surrounding area. We've seen this happen. We've taken various ministry and social outings, encouraging the fellowship of believers. We've launched both a food pantry. Amen. Thank you, Miss Ginger. Praise the Lord, maintaining that. We also have seen the Lord's table during harvest time. Thank you, Carver. We got fresh vegetables that come into this church. That's fed the multitudes. Right? We also have held uh, two large-scale back-to-school outreaches. You remember Dan the Animal Man? Remember Seth Franco, the Harlem Globetrotter? We, uh, we, we've seen these outreaches pack this gym out. And I hope, Lord willing, we'll have some more in the future. They've heard the gospel preached. We rented a movie theater. That was outside the box, wasn't it? But what an awesome opportunity this church had. A packed, sold-out movie theater, and, and we were able to present the gospel to hundreds that day. And I've heard feedback as a result of that as well. We launched a pastor's prayer team that's praying currently. And I thank the Lord for that. This pulpit must have power. And it comes through prayers of the saints, through the person of God, but through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And he's asked, he said, if you will ask, he freely gives. Wonderful ministry. By the way, they need people to serve on that. Let me give a quick plug. Maybe you want to pray. During the, during the preaching, a lot of you don't realize this, but during the preaching, there is usually a couple. It doesn't have to be. It can be individuals. But they gather into the library and they pray that God would use the Word of God to reach the people of God, but also the unbeliever that comes into this church. Maybe that's a ministry you can serve on. So, where are we going? 
And by the way, I know that didn't cover everything. Some of you know there's a lot of other ministries that are going on that have sprung up and are happening. But, you know, I wanted to hit a few of these because, guys, that's a praise. We need to be reminded of what God has done so far in a short period of time. And, And I'm excited about that. And that helps excite me for the future. I needed that this week to go through and recount some of those blessings. Where are we going? Over the next year, over the next year, 2013, here's the plan. Here's the vision. Lord willing, Lord willing, complete teen room. We're meeting, Lord willing, tomorrow to hopefully start breaking ground this week. MB will have a report tonight uh, updating you in regards to where we're at in the process. Hopefully we complete the teen room. Then, hopefully, Lord willing, and again... You have final say, but here's a big launch of faith. Bring on a new youth pastor. Bring on a new youth pastor. Begin clearing some of the land uh, for a gazebo, walking trail, natural benches, future picnic shelter, whatever. We got opportunity. We need to use what God has blessed us with for His glory. Restart wise outreach, winning individual souls every day. We need, to be, we need to restart that and we need to reach the remaining homes of LaGrange. We continue to reach our Jerusalem. We need to grow our discipleship initiative. I need some of you to take on young disciples and begin to disciple. Invest in the lives of some of these new believers. Some of these older believers that never have really been discipled but would like to be. We want to grow E412's influence throughout the area. I think we're going to see an answer to this prayer Monday night. I really have confidence that that Monday night we're going to see uh, an answer to this prayer already. We need to kick off our new financial peace classes, which you've heard about this morning. And and so, again, that's where we're going. We need to take church-wide missions trip to Romania. That's part of the plan this year. Lord willing, we plan to go to Romania. Been in correspondence this week um, with the Zemers. And uh, you'll be glad to know, eight days, 200 bucks. Now, that doesn't include your airfare. But, <laughs> but hey, that's pretty amazing for your food, your shelter, your transportation. 200 bucks. So now I've just got to find the cheap airfare. If any of you have a lead on that, let me know. And we have fundraisers to help. All right, here we go. Add new missionaries. This year is our year to add new missionaries. Lord willing, God brings the right ones to partner with us. And guys, we need to grow spiritually. Let this be your individual vision this year. Will you, in our closing moments in a little while, ask the Lord to help you grow spiritually? Begin to get in the Word of God a little more consistent. Maybe a little more faithful in our prayer time. I know it's something we long for. It's in your heart. Maybe gather together for Sunday school. Maybe you haven't been coming to Sunday school. I can assure you, you start coming faithfully, you will grow spiritually. Sunday school is a great place to get in the Word of God and let the Word of God get in you. Wednesday night, whatever. Let's grow spiritually. Short and long-term goals. Short term, here's a, next three years, here's where I hope, Lord willing, next three years, here's what I want to see happen in this church. This is what I believe God is leading us over the next three years. Souls saved 
baptized, discipled, and added to the church, taking us over an average attendance of 100 in the sanctuary. That's a, that's a small goal, in my opinion. It's a small goal. But I believe within the next three years we're going to see that. And we will see that if we're obedient. Church, that's on you. That number's blasted. I'm not a numbers guy normally. I don't really care about that. But, but here's what I do care about. Reaching people, winning them to Christ, and seeing them discipled. The Lord will add to the church. And let me just remind you of His promises. The harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. So, if you'll take me up on this challenge and just be faithful, be obedient to God's Word, and begin to go and make disciples, go and reach people. That's going to be achieved in a very short time. Public school ministry. Lord willing, by bringing on a youth man, one of his first priorities that I'm going to help train him in is getting him into the public school system. And as he begins to get into the public school system, he's going to be able to connect with kids who are, who are involved in, in sports and activities, who can reach their families. He's going to be able to get involved with those outcast kids that nobody's talking to. He's going to be able to get involved with those band boys and band girls and whoever else God wants to put him in the path of. And we'll begin to see people reached. Upward sports ministry introduced. Over the next three years, that's one of the things I'd like to see happen here in this church, upward sports ministry. I believe the result of that will also see families reached, people saved, and souls added to this church. Add an orphanage or a prison ministry. I'd like to see both added myself. That's part of God's Word too, isn't it? That we minister to the widow, to the orphan, those that are in captivity. Isn't that the whole reason came, Christ came to set us free? Praise band! Uh-oh, now I'm going to stretch some of your faith on that one. I hope God will bring us musicians who can play instruments to the Lord. No more band in the box. I love my band in the box. But Lord, hey, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great if the Lord get, gave us some live musicians that can play in adoration? Pray for that. New van! Woohoo! <laughs> yes! Anybody that's ever ridden in that van ought to say amen right there. Wow! Yeah, that one may come sooner than later by just blowing it up. I don't know. <laughs> Lights for the sanctuary. All my seniors said, amen. (laughs) These are short-term goals, but guys, these are doable things. And this is, look again, I'm painting small pictures here this morning. How about long-term? Five to seven years. Here's here's what I hope to see happen in our midst in the next five to seven years. A TV and or internet ministry. And we've discussed the possibility of looking at some cameras to come in here. We tried it before. We've gotten great feedback uh, when it was done. If you remember when the folks were here, uh, Brent was videoing, and some of you have seen that on the website. Um, Lord willing, we hope to, to implement that uh, eventually. 
develop remainder of land. Ball fields. Uh, if you're going to have ball fields and you're going to open them up for like upward sports and so forth and so on, it's going to require some restrooms. Because I don't want to look out my back window and see anybody using a tree, all right? I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, that's terrible, isn't it? Hey, you got ECU fans in here. You know what I'm talking about. You've been to a game. All right. Expand wise outreach to beyond LaGrange. That's part of the goal. If you look at the map in the hallway, the plan is to go out beyond our Jerusalem. Visit other supported missionaries with short-term teams. Again, something that I hope to see this church do. All right, here's your part. I know we're going a lot longer today than normal, but hey, praise the Lord, we need this this day. We need this. Here's your part. Team play. Anybody recognize this fella? Tim Tebow. By the way, let me just say, I'm going to digress here for a minute. I was sitting watching the game last night with my wife, and I said, you know what I think would be great? I love Peyton Manning. Don't get me wrong. I like Peyton Manning as a player, but I hate the way Denver treated Tebow. All right? And I said, you know what I think would be poetic justice? If the T... If, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll really pray for that one. <laughs> I guess it could have been worse, huh? Um, but think about this. This would have, I said, this would be poetic justice. I told my wife, I said, wouldn't it be great if here in this overtime, Manning throws an interception that costs him the game? I did. That's what I said. I know. I'm having fun with y'all today. But you know what? It was funny because you think about it. Last year, Tebow, oh, he's not a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. Yet he delivered the pass. Boom, my man went to the end zone, touchdown. They advanced. But they want to treat him like that, kick him out, and they're going to bring in the best quarterback that's ever, you know, probably played the game. It's debatable. But comes in and throws an interception, and they lost the game. I just thought that was funny. But anyway, I've been around my Papa Jones too long this past week, hadn't I? I knew Dale Earnhardt was going to hit the wall. I told him right before it happened. Sorry, listen. Listen to what Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. <laughs> It is late. I better wrap this up. (sighs) Digressing quick. Here's what uh, Tim Tebow has to say in his book, Through My Eyes. Thursday afternoon before the game, I decided to have a last-minute Bible study. I called as many guys as could fit into our hotel room. I felt led to talk about Matthew 11, 28-30, which says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I told my teammates gathered that Jesus promises to take on the weight of the world so that we don't have to. All we needed to do was follow Him. I then looked around the room and said, Guys, we're going to win the national championship tonight. And when we do, we are going to give so much honor and glory to Jesus Christ. It is going to be awesome. Somebody had a guitar, and for the next couple of hours, we just sang hymns and other worship songs. There were a lot of bad voices in that room, but none of us cared. The Bible says to make a joyful noise to the Lord. But it doesn't say anything about a good noise, thankfully. 
Before the game that night, I walked up to Coach Meyer and told him that I'd prayed about it and that I was going to change the Scripture on my eye black to John 3.16. You can't. What are you thinking? was his immediate response. Philippians 4.13 is, is such a great verse, he continued. We both knew that it was the same superstitious streak bubbling up in him that caused him to sit on the 45th row at Florida Field three years earlier when waiting for my announcement. I repeated that I was changing it to John 3.16. He looked into my eyes and could tell that I knew it was the right thing to do. He paused. Yeah, that's a great one too. Okay, that'll be great. And excited about it, he bounded onto the bus. After getting dressed in my uniform, I passed Coach Mullen in the locker room, and he immediately noticed the change. What's that verse about? He asked. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, I replied. His draw dropped. Can you do that with every verse in the Bible? I just name one and you quote it? I laughed. Unfortunately, no. Thanks to my parents, I had memorized a lot in my life, but not all of them, of course. I stacked the deck. I made sure that I knew the ones I was writing under my eyes. <laughs> Neither team scored in the first quarter. I threw an interception early in the game, which was disappointing since I had thrown only two all year. In the second quarter, we jumped to an early lead, 7 to nothing. Oklahoma quickly tied the score at 7-7. And then they intercepted my pass. We paid them back by picking off a pass from their quarterback, Sam Bradford. The two teams had led the nation in fewest turnovers during the season. Together, we now had three in the first half. It was 7-7 seven to seven at halftime. Half Game on. It was time for all of those hours, days, and months in the weight room to pay off, and it did. Early in the third quarter, we took the lead, 14-7. Oklahoma tied it. Then we took the lead again with a field goal, 17-14. In the fourth quarter, Ahmad Black picked off Sam Bradford. We needed a big lead to ensure a win. I threw a jump pass to David Nelson. He caught it and scored the touchdown that put the game away, 24-14. Moments later, we had the ball back as we were running out the clock. I thought an Oklahoma player gave me an extra jab in the pile. I scrambled up and gave him a gator chomp with my arms. The referee called a penalty. It was the only unsportsmanlike conduct penalty of my career. I shouldn't have done it. Game over. We were the national champions. After the final touchdown, I walked over to Coach Meyer. He pulled off his headset, opened his arms, gave me a great big hug and said, boy, great job! You finished! I love you! It was a great feeling to hear him say that. After all, he had been not only a coach, but also a friend and a father figure to me. As great as that was, how much greater will it feel when we get to heaven And Jesus takes off his headset, opens up his arms, gives us a big hug, and says, Attaboy, great job. You finished. I love you. I talk to kids all the time about finishing strong. Some people are going to quit. Some people are going to start going slower. But the people 
who can finish are the ones who are going to succeed. Those are the ones who are going to be great. When I leave this world, I want to leave something behind that keeps on making a difference in people's lives. In addition to living by this motto myself, I talk to prison inmates about it. I started visiting prisons my freshman year and have been uh, to quite a few, even visiting death row. I really enjoyed speaking with those guys. They're so hungry for people to interact with them and share anything at all that is encouraging. I tell them that they might have had it bad at first, second or third quarter, but they can still have a great fourth quarter. They can finish strong in life wherever they are. And it starts by having a personal relationship with Jesus. For me... Leaving something behind is more about being rewarded in heaven. Seeing a plaque or trophy with my name on it, sure, it's nice. But God wants us to make a difference in the world, in the lives of our family, friends, coaches, and teachers. The most important acts we, we will, live on, uh, will live on forever, even after we are no longer on the earth. He wants us to do things that will last That's why building a school or a playroom, a hospital is going to leave a legacy with real meaning, not just a name on a plaque or a stadium. I want to leave behind a life in which I always try to do things the right way. Most importantly, I want to act in a way that causes the people I help to want to help others. Finish strong and you help, not just yourself. You help others also. I thought that was a very fitting closing to today's message. Let's wrap it up. Bottom line, we are all part of this team. I'm not going to take time to delve into that scripture But basically, guys, you all have a spiritual gift that should be used on this team. And some of you are not using it. Some of you are quitting. And some of you are growing weary and well-doing. And it's time to kick it into gear. Game on, fourth quarter. We need to reset the button. It's time to reprioritize in our life spiritually. Because we got a game to win. Great thing is it's already won. But God wants you and me to be faithful in following Him in obedience. Get in the game. Some of you are not even in the game. Get in the game. This church needs you. We need each other. What's your burden? Ask God to give you a burden for this church for this community, for, for a neighbor, for a co What's your burden? What is God's purpose for this church? What is His purpose for this church? I know His purpose is to reach the lost with the gospel, is to make disciples. How do you fit with that plan? Let's pray.